Before we begin, a quick warning. This episode contains references to rape and sexual assault. In March 2021, with London still in lockdown, a horrific murder seemed to shatter the trust between the Met Police and women across the capital. A London police officer has been sentenced to life in prison for the kidnap, rape and murder of a young woman. PC Wayne Cousins pretended to arrest Sarah Everard and used his police handcuffs to kidnap her from the streets as she walked home from a friend's house. Just two months later, two black women, Bieber Henry and Nicole Smallman, were brutally murdered. And the police's handling of the case eroded public trust even further. For almost 12 hours, through an entire night, the Met did nothing to locate either woman and ensure they were safe. PC Jaffa and PC Lewis took six photos in total. Three of the images were posted to a WhatsApp group of police colleagues. And then there was the text message. We are at the scene of two dead birds. Police officers who were supposed to protect us now began to look more like a threat. And the horrifying, jaw-dropping reports just kept coming. The offensive text they sent to colleagues. One male officer to another, I'm going to smack her. To one female officer, I would happily rape you. The Metropolitan Police has apologised over the strip searching of a black schoolgirl who was suspected of carrying cancer. David Carrick, a serial rapist and abuser of women, was allowed to remain in the Metropolitan Police for more than 20 years. Last week, a landmark review into the Metropolitan Police, the UK's biggest police force, confirmed what many had been claiming for years even decades. The Met is institutionally racist, sexist and homophobic, with a boys' club culture failing women and children. The woman who led that devastating review has been speaking to The Times, and today we'll hear how she went about investigating the police. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today... How Louise Casey policed the Met Police. My name is Fiona Hamilton. I'm the crime and security editor at The Times. And recently, my job has almost wholly involved reporting on the Metropolitan Police, the various scandals at the Metropolitan Police of misconduct, discrimination, misogyny, and now Baroness Casey's conclusions in a Astonishing review, really, that is the most damning assessment of the Metropolitan Police in its history. Fiona, take us back to last week when you were called into a press conference 
at New Scotland Yard. Just describe when you got there, what was the atmosphere like? So we file in through security and you get taken into a room on the ground floor. There's a desk set up in front of the media pack and there were a couple of senior officers, Sir Mark Rowley and his deputy, Dame Lynn Owens, and somebody very senior in the Mets press office to take us through the proceedings. And I just thought, I've been here before. I've been here so many times before. I was in the same room about 18 months earlier when another senior Met officer apologised for what Wayne Cousins did to Sarah Everard and the fact that they didn't stop him before his sex crimes escalated into abduction, rape and murder. I was in a room nearby before that where a different senior officer apologised for the many blunders in the Stephen Port case, who was the serial killer of young gay men who killed three of them because police did not realise they had a serial killer on the loose. I've been in that room many times before for apologies and I have the utmost respect for Sir Mark and Dame Lynn, but I just thought it's deja vu really. I can imagine you've had to see the worst of this for an awfully long time. The Louise Casey Review came out last Tuesday. Just remind us why it had been commissioned. So the review was commissioned and announced by Dane Cressida Dick, the former Metropolitan Police Commissioner, in the autumn of 2021 after Wayne Cousins was sentenced for his horrendous crimes against Sarah Everard. And there had been real public outcry and utter revulsion because at that sentencing hearing in late September, we had heard the true extent of his abuse of police power to target Sarah Everard. So he'd used his police-issued warrant card to trick her into his car off the streets of London. He'd restrained her with police-issued handcuffs and he used his police-issued belt to strangle her after he raped her. And what had followed that crime also was just a complete deluge of allegations of, in particular, misogyny and sexism at the Met, women saying that they reported predatory behaviour, criminal behaviour by male metropolitan police officers and they'd been ignored. And there were wider issues of discrimination as well. So there was a sense on at this time that an apology would not be enough and a, and a wide-ranging review was ordered. And that's when Dame Cressida Dick said that Louise Casey was the person for the job. Can you just remind us a bit about her and what she was known for before she was commissioned to do this review? Well, she's an absolutely formidable person and... Everybody that I spoke to at the Met who had dealt with her thought she was pretty incredible. She's known as somebody who really gets to grips with problematic organisations. She cuts through the sort of management speak, the spin, and she gets to grips with what's going on, what the problems are, and how to solve them. So she's a former civil servant, and she was appointed by... Tony Blair in the late 1990s to have a look at homelessness and made some really substantial inroads on that issue. She became the UK's first victims commissioner. She inspected the council at Rotherham after the child sexual exploitation scandal and concluded really that there was no hope there. 
and that the leadership had to be overhauled. She also tackled the really difficult issue of social cohesion and extremism on behalf of Theresa May. And I suppose what's really interesting with a track record like that, all of these really thorny, difficult, deep-seated issues, is that she told me that the Metropolitan Police was the hardest nut to crack. Really? Out of all of the things that she'd done in the past? Fiona, after that report came out, we sort of suddenly had both Baroness Casey... Mark Rowley doing the media rounds, very much getting out, talking about the results of the report and how the Met thought it was going to be able to sort of do something about it. I and my colleagues across the Met are under no illusions about the deep significance of this very sobering report. We fully accept the findings of the Casey Review and have a determination to implement them. After that, though, in the days that followed, as the dust was settling, you went to meet Baroness Casey. Just tell us about that meeting you had with her. She'd really had three incredibly exhausting, it must have been, days of media briefings and going to scrutiny committees, explaining the report, and I was her final appointment, I think. So we met in Scotland Yard and we went to the office at the bottom of the building where she and her team have been based for the last year. She'd rushed over to meet me after the Home Affairs Select Committee and it had run over because there was an alarm in the building. And I thought, she must really want to knock off soon. I hope hope she gives me enough time to be able to discuss everything I want to talk about. And in the end, that wasn't a problem. Her press officer had said, uh, well, maybe we could stick to 45 minutes, Fiona. And it was it was nearly two hours later when Louise sort of picked up your microphone, actually, and tapped it and said, is there enough battery in there? It's midnight. And I'm going, Fiona, we could get a takeaway. She had a lot to say. She had a lot to get off her chest. And it was it was really interesting. Well, we're glad the Stories of Our Times microphone was there to do to the job. But um, <laughs> did, did you get a takeaway? We didn't get a takeaway. <laughs> I, I let her um, go home and, uh, and leave the media. She was tasked with working out the problems with the Met Police's culture and the standards of behaviour and where things were going wrong. How did she explain to you how she'd gone about doing that? So she uses this phrase in terms of how she tackles these kinds of inquiries. And she gives a lot of credit to the people she works with on her team. And she says, we don't look from the management down, we look from the street up. So she and her team, it seems like they lived and breathed the Met for the past year. She went to senior leadership meetings, but she also sat across the table from detectives on numerous occasions. She went to Monday morning roundups and she visited specialist units, so she'd been all over the place. In her first week, she obviously went in and met the senior leadership team. What was that like? Well, it was one of the most striking things she told me, really, and it had clearly had an impact on her. So this was in February last year. So it's nearly a year after Sarah Everard was murdered. And the obvious question is about the institution's response to that terrible attack. Yeah. And she said... We arrived, we we were meeting them and uh, 
people were crying, people were welling up with tears. They'd say, Sarah, and then they'd stop for a minute and they'd take a moment and they were weepy. That senior officers and senior staff would well up with tears, grip the table to steady themselves while they spoke, to take a moment. And she was surprised by this and she found it a bit strange. And I don't want it to come across like she was mocking people for being emotional about something. It wasn't like that at all. The point that she made to me was that they felt that they were personally wounded by what had happened. And also they kept using the word Sarah. They kept using her name Sarah. And I was thinking, you never met the woman. You don't know her. You don't know her family. Can you at least call her Sarah Everard? And when you refer to Sarah Everard's parents, call them Mr. and Mrs. Everard. Mm. You know, there was just something about they felt personally wounded by it. It's like they were the victims of what had happened. And this had been expressed publicly in other ways too by senior Met officers coming out and saying, he is not one of us. All of us in the Met are sickened, angered and devastated by this man's crimes. They are dreadful. And everyone in policing feels betrayed. But the point that Louise Casey makes is that he was one of you and he used his warrant card and he used and abused his police powers to do what he did. So instead of getting upset about it and crying at a table, tell me, what have you done about it? What retrospection have you done about your organisation? What have you done to learn how you might have stopped him and how have you put that right? And she just didn't get that sense that had happened. How did they try to bring her in to to understand how they operated and how they were doing what they were doing? Well, she was welcomed with open arms. I went in and I thought she would say I had loads of hostility. And she said that in previous inspections and reviews she's done, there was hostility, but the Met was different. They were really pleased to see her because they felt she would give them a clean bill of health. They Ah. didn't see that despite all the scandals, and it's as though they put that away in a corner, a lot of these terrible allegations, but they think that everything else is going great. It's, it's a real bunker mentality. She was sat in that office in the bowels of the Met and a very senior officer stuck his head around the door and said, oh, Louise, you really need to come on a ride along because when people get into a ride along with us, when they get into a police car with us, they do it and they get out and they shake our hands and they say, God, you're amazing. It's like a grown-up version of show and tell. If you come out with us enough, if you listen to us enough, yeah. if we show you enough pictures of you know machetes and knives, that will justify endless stop and search of the black community. I don't want to put words into her mouth, but it was just a bit strange, I think. And ride-alongs in order to see how they're, you know... How brilliant they were. Yeah. She calls the water House Met, I suppose, like House Red. And honestly, Fiona, the level of delusion in this building, I don't know what happens when they come through the front door and they get into the lift. It's like fluoride in the water. It's Mm. like optimism water. But by the time they get up into the building... It's almost like, I, I call it house met. It's like they're drunk on house met. They can't see anything. 
outside. And these yeah. are potentially good people. Yeah. So they just do not see themselves at all in the way the outside world sees them. If it wasn't horrific, it would be an Armando Arnucci comedy, but it's just not funny. Coming up, with broken fridges for rape kits, masturbating male officers and racist bullying, is the Met Police even fixable? That's in just a moment. I'm Jonathan Ames. I'm the legal editor of The Times. The interesting thing about my patch is that the law covers every element of human life. Therefore, I get to look at politics, the arts, sport, almost everything. And it's a privilege to be able to cover it for the paper that has a reputation of being the lawyer's paper in Fleet Street. We can only do this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. For just over a year, Baroness Casey investigated the Met Police, and last week she released her excoriating findings. What we have found right across the Met is institutional and systemic racism, sexism and homophobia. I think the culture of discrimination and prejudice is very clear. It's very I wasn't at all surprised to see that Louise Casey had found that the Met was institutionally racist, misogynistic and homophobic because I've been writing of little else for the last few years. But some of the examples that were in the report were really shocking. Um, I mean, it was almost heartbreaking reading about the experiences of gay officers in the Metropolitan Police and the homophobia that they experience. And one of them detailed to Casey's review team how He's scared of his own colleagues, and if he saw them in the street, he would cross the road. And of course, the now notorious fridges, these are the fridges used by sex offence units. When a woman is raped, 
she has to go to a place called the Haven or a hospital. You lie there and somebody takes specimens from you, your blood, they try and find the semen, they scratch around your body, they scrape it, they touch it. It can go on for quite some time. It's not a short process, it's a long process, Fiona, yeah. and it's really humiliating and difficult, done yeah. with immense kindness normally by trained people. Those specimens are just shoved in a fridge, in at least one case next to someone's lunchbox, and they're dilapidated and they're absolutely bursting to the seams with rape kits. And to know then that your specimens are essentially put in a fridge that people can't close, that people stick their lunchbox in, that essentially every week or every fortnight people ask for new fridges and new freezers. To, to know that that's so uncaring in relation yeah. to something that we could be really caring about is so symbolic of an organisation that has completely lost its way. And actually, we discovered that in the heatwave last summer, one of the fridges broke down and they had to throw out all of the rape samples in that fridge. Wow. And, and they had to drop the cases against those alleged perpetrators as a result. And Fiona, for anyone listening, I mean, that's just horrifying. And it does feed into that suspicion that female victims just haven't been treated as they should be. And Baroness Casey did go on to find effectively a culture of sexism and misogyny within the Met. I mean, just tell us a bit about that. She published anonymous case studies of women at the Met who she'd spoken to about their really traumatic experiences of sexism and misogyny. There was one woman who had reported a male officer who told her his, quote, balls were cold, end quote, and that she should warm them up while they were oh. working together on a shift. And when she did not laugh about that, she was ostracised and undermined. There was a female officer who reported domestic and sexual abuse by a colleague she was in a relationship with. And the person who was investigating it, she discovered was friends with him on social media and it was dropped. There was a, another woman, she was repeatedly sexually assaulted by a colleague and he had masturbated in front of her in a communal changing room. Another said that women at the Met were traded like cattle, so they were moved to different units depending on which male officers there found them attractive. And there was a really sad story of a female trainee who was in a room with other trainees and a more senior male officer walked into the room and picked her and said, I'm going to break you. He sent her on her own to the most horrific crime scenes, the most difficult jobs. And it turned out that she had been a direct entry to the Met. So she hadn't started at the rank of constable. She, there was a new scheme to try and attract different kinds of people to the police. And she'd gone in at higher level and he wanted to break her, and he did. She left the force. The allegations and some of the problems that she came across were sort of based around the problematic behaviour around women. Some of it was also about race. Tell us a bit about that. Oh, I mean, she found discrimination and prejudice just completely baked into the system. So black officers are 
more than 80% more likely than their white colleagues to be put on misconduct charges. Louise Casey found absolutely eye-watering use of force against the black community and she expressed really serious concerns about the use of stop and search and racial disparities that are alienating in particular the black community of London. She also found really serious bullying and that often had prejudicial elements to it. So a Muslim officer was really horrified because people put bacon in his boots. Uh, A Sikh officer had his beard cut by a fellow Met officer who thought that was funny. The list just goes on and on. And did she sort of encounter some of that herself when she was talking to people? Yeah, she did. I mean, (laughs) astonishingly, given the context of why she was at that organisation, it seems that certain people there made no effort to hide racism and sexism. So male officers spoke down to and interrupted female officers. And really striking was Louise Casey's visit to the firearms unit, where an officer said that girls should not be allowed to carry guns. And she did a tour of the facility and then everybody was sitting on settees afterwards and she put the call out, oh, does anybody have anything they'd like to say? And one of them said, well, this is England, isn't it? That's what I'd like to say. And you look across and I'm going, yeah, yep, 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 absolutely. And he said, well, um, you know, I police London and London is England, isn't it? And I go, so yeah, no, absolutely. You know, what's worrying you about that? He said, well, I wasn't able to get a job in London. I had to go to a different force and transfer into the Met. And he was very aggrieved about that. And it turned out that the Met had done some kind of a pilot program where they were trying to get officers who had English as a second language, probably thinking that in one of the most diverse cities in the world, that would be a useful thing. And as Louise Casey says... This is translated by the gentleman that walks around with uh, a gun um, into this being somehow an affront on his British citizenship. As you say, you've dealt with this for so long and you've taken a lot of these accusations about race and about the treatment of women to the Met before, they've always denied them or said that things are being done. But is there a level of delusion there? And does she feel like it's finally breaking down? She definitely feels that the delusion is breaking down. And that's because of the new leadership of Samart Rowley. He took over the force in September. And he'd been at the Met before, largely as head of counterterrorism. And he carried out the genius move, really, of coaxing Dame Lynn Owens, the very well-regarded head of the National Crime Agency, back into the Met to be his deputy. And they've really pledged to overhaul the force. And when I was talking about this with Louise, she said that had she done what she did at Rotherham, which was to recommend new leadership, and it sounds like she would have had to do that had Dame Cressida Dick still been in post the people she would have looked for or looked to would have been Mark Rowley and Lynn Owens because they really are the outstanding leaders in the field of policing. I've watched him communicate. I've watched him and Lynn 
they're light years away of what the previous few commissioners were in terms of leadership. So she's got, she's put a lot of faith in them and she's been in lots of meetings at the Met since September and she said she sees how they interact with their officers and staff and she sees how they get it. She clearly has a lot of confidence in Sir Mark Rowley, but at the same time, she found that there was institutional racism and sexism and homophobia in the Met. And yet in his response to that report, he's rejected the idea that it's institutionalised. I absolutely accept the diagnosis that Louise Casey comes up with. We have um, racist, misogynists and homophobes in the organisation. And it's not just about individuals. We have systemic failings, management failings and cultural failings. The reason, and I respect um, Louise using that term, the reason I don't use it, I think it's a very ambiguous term. Your viewers would have different interpretations of what it means. And it's also become politicised in debate. What does she make of that? Well, she's very disappointed about that. She's worried that he has potentially missed his moment to fully reform the Met, and I think she's very sad about that. Does she still think he is the man to turn it around? She does think that, but it's a frustrating situation, isn't it? Because we're all dancing on the head of a pin a bit around this phrase of institutional racism and institutional problems. I've spoken to many campaigners in the black community over the years, many black police officers, and it's really important to them that it's acknowledged because they see it as an acknowledgement of the past and the history and as a really crucial part of any apology. And they also see it as a way to move on and a sign that things might be different. And so that's why it's seen as a missed opportunity. Be bigger than the word and the politics. Be bigger than the people in your organisation that somehow you're trying to protect. You're a good communicator. You can say, not every person in my organisation is racist. Let me make that clear. Mm -hmm. And I fully support them. But I also know that my organisation, organisationally, systemically, institutionally, is prejudiced. I mean, Fiona, it's really interesting. Sounds like... Louise Casey, who is very no-nonsense, you know, she does have a lot of hope in Sir Mark Rowley and the leadership at the moment. Can they turn the Met Police around or is it no longer fit for purpose where it just has to be split up? So there's huge complications if you do decide to split up the Met. First of all, geographically, it would be really difficult because do you say there's going to be one pan-London police force or do you split it up and where do you make the barriers and what communities do you put those geographical borders through? And it's not easy. So what Sir Mark Rowley has said, and Baroness Casey does agree with him, is that if you embark on a major restructuring right now, then all of your organisational focus and effort is going to go into that restructuring, whereas actually you really need to be at the grassroots improving the investigation of sexual offences, pushing up morale, looking at the cultural problems and, and putting in changes. And then it's, it's also quite difficult to hive certain specialist areas off into other institutions because sometimes it's the specialist areas that the Met seem to be getting right. It was open to her 
when she released her review last week to say, break it up, bring it crashing down and start again. And she's left the option open in the future for somebody to consider doing those types of things if reform doesn't occur quickly. And what Baroness Casey did is she didn't say, okay, I'm going to give you one last chance at reform and go off and do it on your own. She came to the really devastating conclusion that the Metropolitan Police can't be trusted anymore to police themselves. And so she has said she wants them to get in outside specialists to try and help them overhaul the force. And I think that's probably the key measure that that she thinks staves off that idea of needing a radical restructure at the moment. For the Met Police, I mean, clearly there is a lot of work to be done to try and re-establish uh, a relationship of trust with the public. Fiona, do you think this incredibly powerful report by Baroness Casey, do you think it'll be able to inspire real change? Louise Casey, her reports are written in a way that they, they really suck you in. They have amazing detail, really vivid, devastating details in this report in particular. And it means that she's able to illustrate the problem in a way that everybody can understand. She doesn't resort to management speak. Um, there was a, a male correspondent who described it as an emotional style uh, and a headline gramming style, which is something that clearly has frustrated her, that description. And she said to me that she's not emotional. She is empathetic and she is evidenced. And that this report on the Metropolitan Police is the most weighty evidenced documents that her team have ever produced. There is 384 pages there of absolutely devastating detail. And the reason it's so devastating, actually, is because it is evidenced by the people in the organization. It's not from people like me on the outside or victims of the institution. It is overwhelmingly from the people that work there. And that is one thing that makes that review so compelling. We speak for almost 50% of police officers who are black in this organisation who experience racism. It's a horrific figure. We speak for the 33% of women who experience sexism on a daily basis in this organisation and the one in 10 who are sexually harassed or assaulted. So, you know, I'm not emotional. I'm empathetic. And she said when her empathy goes, she should stop serving the public because it's really important. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. With me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, the crime and security editor at The Times, Fiona Hamilton, with thanks to Baroness Casey and her team. You can find all of Fiona's reporting on the Met Police at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription or in print. And if you are a subscriber, you can read her full interview with Baroness Casey online. The producer today was Sam Chantarasak, with production assistance from Oliver Adamson, the executive producer is Kate Ford and sound design was by David Crackles. If you can, please do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
See you tomorrow.